This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. It is Monday, so this is our AI Success Stories series, our little 10 to 15 minute episodes highlighting one AI use case and what made it a success. We're going to be talking about the world of construction and AI today, uh, a world with many, many variables and many ways where projects can go wrong. We're going to be speaking today about how one particular project went right. Uh, I will warn all of you who are tuned in right now, I am recording this from a London hotel. Uh, Yes, that is in part because I was here in London doing some speaking. I met some fantastic folks, including our guest in this episode, Dev Amratia. Uh, He is the co-founder and CEO of NPlan, a company based in London. But I also met the coronavirus. And so I am stuck here in London until uh, further notice. And so some of my intros and outros will actually be recorded from here in the hotel. I normally like to have my nice audio equipment back in my little Boston studio there. But for the time being, we're making do with uh, me being out here in London. So it was worth the trip. I got in some great speaking, met some great folks. Uh, Hopefully the audio for this intro uh, won't be too interruptive. I do want to give a big thanks to my colleague Cronus, who helped to bring along some great audio equipment to do our in-person interviews. This interview with Dev was one of our in-person interviews in the London area. We got to speak with a number of great startup founders. Uh, And in this episode, we're speaking specifically about how one of the UK's most prominent builders and construction companies used artificial intelligence to better estimate their cost and provide confidence with their potential buyer as to how those costs would be maybe more credible than that of their competitors and why they should win the job. Lots of nuances here into where AI fits in, and we don't speak often about construction, and so I thought it'd be fun to be able to highlight this one for this episode of the AI Success Factors series. This episode was recorded in NPlan's headquarters here in London, and it was quite a fun episode to record. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Dev with NPlan here in the AI and Business Podcast. So Dev, glad to be with you here in London for an AI Success Factors episode. Thanks for being with us again. Thank you for having me. We're speaking about your world of kind of construction forecasting. Talk to us about the client that you're going to be covering today and what the particulars of the problem were, kind of their situation when they approached you. Yeah. Uh, So the client's name is Kier Group. Kier is uh, the largest construction company in the UK. They're listed on the FTSE 100. And their problem was (laughs) um, uh, that they... Uh, found it very difficult to convince their client, so the person that is purchasing Mm. construction services from Kia, that Kia were the best organization to execute the work with. So this is a a work-winning context uh, for a construction company in the UK. Cool. So yeah, the, the, the issue was, what can we do to convey you should build with us? Right. Because there's probably a thousand factors there and there's probably many, many companies. It sounds like they're kind of the biggest in size. So they've already got a little bit of an advantage there. But, you know, some of these projects are what hundreds of millions, billions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to get that. So so their issue wasn't for for them specifically forecasting on project A, B, or C. It was what can we do to up our win rate here? Right. Okay, cool. But it is a forecasting problem because to the client, so put yourself in the client's shoe. You're looking at Kier plus two or three other contractors. You know, you've invited them, three or four of them to come together and say, like, hey, give me your best bids. I've got a billion dollar railway line that I need to build. Just tell me what you got. 
uh, and four of them will put a, put something down on a piece of paper. If you are reviewing that, how do you know which one, who's got the, call it the legitimate outcome, right? How do you know if someone's not blowing hot air? Because you could say like, oh yeah, I'll get it done in a year, no problem. You want it in a billion, I'll do it for 500 million. I'll give you a discount, right? And then you're like, ooh, this is a nice person. Fortunately, the world's procurers are smarter than that or are getting smarter than that. But it's a genuinely complex problem for the bidder to demonstrate, look, I, I really will achieve this. There's no hot air in here. This is like the legit truth. What I will do We're as close to it as we can forecast. As true yeah, 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 as within yeah. the forecast. as objective as, as the cutting edge science permits me to Correct, yes. compare to the other. No time. one can predict the outcome. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, got it, got it. So that, that is the issue. Obviously, forecasting is part of it. But in this case, it's not for a particular project A necessarily. It's for this general idea of can we make the most objective case that wins us the, the business. So talk a little bit through, I guess, what you did with them and what, I guess, could be measured here in terms of what success meant or looked like in, in their in their position. Yeah. So it was one particular project that we started working with them on. It was the Oxford Station Redevelopment so Ox- you know, the city of Oxford, yep, yep. Uh, its station is getting a revamp. If you've been there, it is a pretty awful station for such a prestigious city. Hmm. So that's changing, which is exciting. And Network Rail is the client, uh, opened the bid, about £60 million to get that station revamped. Kia was one of the submitters, and they used NPlan to forecast their bid. So they put together a schedule saying like, hey, if you give us the job, this is how we'll execute it, yeah. right? And Mplan analyzed that schedule. The first thing we did was we told them, hey, you've got some, you've got some glaring risks in here. You're a tiny bit on the aggressive side. Being aggressive, optimistic, you know, any of yeah, those two yeah, words yeah. is okay, but you should recognize that you're doing this, right? Don't know which side of the optimism, pessimism balance you, you live on. What Kia did was they went back and changed the execution sequence that they were proposing. So they went in and were like, oh man, so if we do it this way, there's some risks, some really big risks in the way we've got the structural steel going up, really big risks in the way we're going to hand over to the client. And so they reframed the way they were executing the work and they got to version two. They actually got version three, version four. So we did a tight iteration loop with them and got to a final version that they then submitted to the client, to Network Rail and said, hey, we realize by now we're probably not the cheapest or the fastest. But look at the, the level of maturity we have in the amount of risk in the risk profile of executing this project, right? Uh, so what they did was they offered the client more certainty of the outcome than their competition. And they won the bid. This, I know this is one project and one example, but this is monumental for an organization to win work while not being the cheapest and fastest. Yeah. Right? Remember, this is public sector procurement. <laughs> this is hard stuff. I, I geek out on procurement stories all the time. And this one is just like ripe for procurement geeks to like get all over because it's a story of how forecasting has introduced confidence to the buyer. Yeah. Now, man, there's, there's a whole separate episode around how <laughs> procurement itself is going to evolve. I know that there's details of public sector procurement that are so monotonous. I would just never want to know about them that you probably know too much about. But... uh it's really curious just hearing, so great that they won the project, so that's clearly a nice win for you guys, a great customer. And yeah, like you said, the win was they won the project not by being the most aggressive in terms of mm. you know how cheap, how fast, 
but by conveying certainty. Yeah. Business model-wise, from your guys' standpoint, I think if people looked at what you do, they would assume, oh, well, you know, folks that are building projects are going to want to use this to better assess their materials, people, et cetera. And on some level, I'm sure mm -hmm. that that's true. But maybe it's actually the reason people are going to spend on this is because it's top line. Because mm -hmm. if they can show up with, if the new normal is we have a certain amount of risk and if our competitors don't, then they'll also need to assess at that oh, level. Wow. Is, yeah. is it really, because we see in the enterprise world, it's often risk that drives the spend. It's, it's oh, like, what, what can we do to, you know, we're in the enterprise, we're getting a nice salary, things have been, you know, this company's 100 years old, what can we do to reduce risk? Very normal. Mm. I would not have expected actually the buying motive is top line, but it, when you look at the future of your business next five mm. years, is it that motive that's going to be the driver? That's it. Because wow. what I haven't yet spoken about is the value to Kia. So not only have Kia won a bid that they've got confidence that they can deliver the asset and meet their margins. Unfortunately, Kia, just like all the other construction companies in the UK right now, their average margin is minus 0.3%. Minus. I, I didn't forget that the keyword underlined. Yeah. yeah that, that, <laughs> right? that, With a volatility of 5%. I don't um, understand how this is an industry actually right now. <laughs> it's a very, there are many broken <laughs> parts about the industry from, that, yeah. you know, gives me energy that we can help fix some of those things, right? Because if these, can, if these companies go under... We won't have people to build, build, build stuff, yeah, build stuff for us. No I mean, this is like yeah, the future of our of, of our built environment is contingent on their survival. So, a key in in this mode of survival, just making sure you bring in work to your balance sheet where you know you're going to turn a profit. It doesn't have to be a huge profit; just a nice, modest one is good enough, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it so it hits the top line. It talks about how the client is now. Basically, differentiating yourself above the pack, right? Yeah. Um, and saying there's value in in knowing the true cost. You may not like the true cost on day one, but the true cost on day one is always cheaper than the cost that you thought it was going to be, and then it ended up becoming. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. it's just a, always a cheaper economic thing to do. So, in the in the spirit of this series, the, the way that I normally frame our kind of tee up question is. You know, there's probably many things that led this project to win. And you guys actually have kind of an interesting, somewhat productized service. So many of the companies that we'll interview, very robust, super bespoke client to client. For you guys, you take in the Gantt chart, you know, you, you push out the results. It's, it's a little bit more controlled. But even then, there's probably mm. clients you work with that are easier, not easier, people that go with the process well or, or, or don't. When you think about what led this process to a success, they worked with you well enough to go through, it sounds like iteration. So there was some collaboration mm. there. And they got a result that helped them get a result. What went well in this project together mm. that other business people listening in who might be running AI companies or products mm. um, might be able to benefit from? Yeah, great question. The first is the partnering mindset. Uh, so they had an intrinsic belief that what Mplan does is additive to them, not competitive to them. That might sound like, no, duh, obviously you're going to need to have that mindset for all products, but believe it or not, it's kind of hard to get. So they, they really saw us as a partner and that our vested interest was in that they would win. We align our commercial models to be that way as well. So if they win, we win. And I like that we're able to do that. That's one. The second is that they were constantly pushing us to come into the front line, meaning, or pulling us into the front line, perhaps is a better way to say it. The front line being with the customer, right? Like 
we want you to be with our customers. You, we want you to like really live and breathe this problem with us. And they like that partnering mindset was really shining through here. And, and then the third is that we share a vision. I mean, this is one project I'm speaking of, right? But I mean, we as Enplan, while of course we're entirely, our mission is about creating project value, but we, we also need our clients to give us a sense that if we do this well and knock it out of the park, then step two or even step three or even step four is Nirvana land, right? And for Kia, they've been upfront with us all along. We see you as the future of risk management inside our business. We see you contributing all the way to our board level presentations to helping a project manager mitigate risk on one project, right? And to operate the full vertical stack inside our business. So for us, we're like, wow, you're like, you really see the value in what we're doing and want us inside your business. And, and of course, we want to be part of that. And so there's this like real attitude to like break down barriers, do whatever it takes to make things successful, right? Because they want it, we want it. And so all this like fluffy bits that like, try and come in the way, like, but how does the machine learning algorithm work? Yeah, Why is yeah, the machine, yeah. which are, I don't mean to belittle these questions, right? But if you've got the right partnering mindset and the right vision, then those questions don't come in the way of making progress. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in, again, in the spirit of the, the series, of, I do my best to hone in on kind of an individual element. There are clearly a few here that help to lead to the win. You've mentioned partnering mindset probably the most. And I think, you know, it, it sounds like it would be intuitive. I'm thinking about a, a lesson for an enterprise leader that's going to work with vendors like you guys, or mm. even work with their own internal AI teams. And, and they've got to mm. do so in a way that leads to success. It feels like if the energy from the onset, even if the deal goes through, is kind of like, this is, this is friction, this mm. is up against our teams or some incentives or, or you know, our stakeholders, that even if you can close that contract, the likelihood of seeing a happy ending for everybody is not good. Low, so. Yeah. Anything at all from either a vendor or a buyer standpoint about how do we know if we had that? What's the threshold to say, you know what, we're on the same page where they're going to let us succeed because they don't see us as the enemy of some part of their department. Like what lets, what gives you the confidence of like, nice, we have the right mindset. Mm. There isn't one thing. Uh, there sure. are a couple of litmus tests that we, we have. So uh, some of these litmus, the easier ones are, or they call it near horizon ones are, Talk to us about what success looks like for you. And if they don't include us in that definition, so talk about the project success, right? Don't talk about end plan success. Talk about your project success and just listen, really actively listen to how they frame that. If there's nothing in that that includes us, we don't matter, mm. right? And, and we take no offense to that. That's not an offensive thing to, to, to unleash. And the second one, the second litmus test is like, talk to us about your vision of how you see your organization managing risk or forecasting, right? Uh, again, it depends on who you're ta talking to, but um, you're essentially asking an open question that is not, you're not forcing them to say anything about plan. But if they've got the right mindsets inside there, like they've got this mindset that they know that what they have is not going to work or needs to change and they need to think differently about the problem, then that's usually a really good indicator that we'll work well together. Great. I think this is good advice for either other vendors or other enterprise folks to get a sense for, hey, do we have do we have the underpinning alignment that's ever going to lead to success in the first right. place? Because I feel like actually a lot of people just 
they want the ink on the paper as the main mm. uh, like mm-hmm. measurement. But you're bringing up a great point that I, I hope our listeners can draw away from. I know we make these episodes intentionally short, but that's a more than worthwhile takeaway, Dev, and I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this series. Thanks for having me. So that is all for this episode of the AI Success Factor series here on the AI and Business Podcast. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. I certainly had a lot of fun being able to catch up with Dev in person. I know the audio for the intro and the outro are going to be a little bit wonky this week, but hopefully it's not actually all that different for those of you who are tuned in. We've had a lot of fun with the AI Success Factor series, and we're still only getting started. We're going to be putting together a number of articles about some of our lessons learned across these podcast episodes and turn those into articles. So if you want to stay abreast of all of the latest articles, infographics, and insights we produce here at Emerge, and if you'd like to stay ahead of the AI curve from an ROI perspective, then be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It's emerj.com slash n1. That's n as in newsletter, and then the number one, emerj.com slash n1. Uh, Hope to catch you there as a newsletter subscriber, in addition to being here as a listener. I appreciate you tuning in, and I look forward to catching you in tomorrow's episode on the AI and Business Podcast, where we get back into the normal rigmarole of use cases and trends. So I'll catch you there.